in a series called Belong. And what we've been talking about are these seven things that we all share in common. And uh, basically, it's the list that comes out of 1 Peter about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? How is that going to really show up in my life? And so uh, we, we look at this first verse in chapter 3, that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. You know that? Do you know that? Okay, let's just say yesterday you, you became a follower of Jesus. Yesterday right? Like you don't know anything. You're new to the Bible. You're kind of like new, new to this whole thing. You're, somebody invited you to church or maybe you're watching online. Welcome to anyone who's watching online. Maybe you're watching online and you're just like, okay, you know, I was damaged by church in the past or, I'm, or maybe COVID's over and now I want to start to enter in. I just want to make it clear that no matter how long you've known Jesus, you have everything you need for life and godliness, that comes when we surrender, as uh, Ray was uh, singing about this morning, that as we surrender all, God begins to bring in those things that uh, help us for life and godliness. Now watch, it goes on through our knowledge. And so that's why one of the reasons why we meet together on a Sunday morning is to just share in a common word that comes from me or Pastor Michelle or someone else, a common word that we get to hear from the way the Holy Spirit is uh, talking to us, that filter that we get to hear the word of God through, through this knowledge. And so we, we come to Christ and we step into this relationship with Jesus and it's unknown and sometimes it's super exciting and sometimes it's super scary because you know already in your life there are some things that are going to have to be set aside. You already knew that when you uh, decided to give your life over to Jesus. And so we start in this idea of knowledge. And all of a sudden, we begin to read God's word, and we begin to see some things that we maybe haven't seen before, and we begin to see some things in our own lives that maybe we haven't seen before. So God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, and now through the knowledge, and so we begin to learn through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Okay? So that's, that's kind of the setup of this list that we're going to be going through. And then in verse 4, it says, through these, through this, these things that he has given us, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate. That you may participate. See, let me just tell you this right now. Being a disciple is not a spectator sport. Okay? I love football. Matter of fact, when football starts up uh, in the fall, I'll be taking a five-month sabbatical. Uh, no, I won't. I, I have red zone, so I'll just record it. But um, uh, I, love, I love football season. I love football season. And so I love watching it. I, I, I love watching all the It's like a soap opera to me, and it's awesome. But if you strapped pads and a helmet on me, I would not like football. I played football in high school, and I was frightened all the time. I didn't like getting hit. If I got the ball, I'm like, hot potato. I don't want that. I don't want people jumping on me, hitting me. But I like to watch other people do that, right? Because then it's just like, yeah, that's it. Get them. And I like on Monday to talk about how I would have done it better. Okay? So I love that. But I don't like participating. Christianity, being a disciple of Jesus, is the exact opposite. You, you accept him, you make him Lord of your life, and by day one, he's like, oh man, I can use you. 
And so you step onto the field on day one. You participate, and listen to what it says, in the divine nature. In other words, those things, those chains that are holding you back, those things that are uh, maybe your family of origin and all, every generation, it's the same thing over and over and over again. And then Jesus comes in, and it's broken. He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. And he's called you, and he's got these great and precious promises that you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. And then it gives the list, which we're going to go back to. And then in verse 8, it says this, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, in other words, this is so cool, you don't have to have everything all figured out in the beginning if you're nervous about, about stepping into a relationship with Jesus or being part of a church or whatever because you're like, oh, man, everybody's so spiritual. First of all, they're not. I know them all. Uh, and secondly, uh, you you're able to participate and, be, and you won't be ineffective. All Jesus is looking for is baby steps in your walk with Christ. Full surrender, like we sang about, no doubt. But he understands this process, that you may participate in the divine nature to keep you from, becoming, from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to what he says. For this very reason, make every effort, here's the list, to add to your faith goodness. We talked about that week one. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, what we're going to talk about this morning Self-control. Self-control. Now, the reason we call this belong seven things we all have in common is that we all have in common some measure of self-control. And isn't self-control really personal? It is to me. In other words, you may look at an area of my life, like some area of my life, and say, how does he have so much self-control there? I posted on social media uh, a pile of Reese's peanut butter cups, and uh, they're really hard for me to, like, not eat just one of. As a matter of fact, um, well, I won't tell you what happened after I posted on social media the stack, but I, I had dinner last night with a pastor friend of mine, and he says, I have a Christmas present for you. Long story. Uh, and so he gives me this bag, and it's filled with Reese's. And he says, I saw your social media. I wanted to tempt me? Wow, that's, thanks, pastor. Okay, that's why we don't go to his church. We go to this church. Okay, no, I'm playing around. Self-control. So you might look at one area of my life and think, oh, my goodness, I wish I had that self-control. But you don't know what's going on in here and in here, do you? No. So I might struggle with gossip or something like that, and it just is really hard for me. And so we think about self-control. And so for you, and uh, it might be something completely different, your thing of self-control that you wish you could get a handle on. And it might have something to do with outward things, you know, uh, what you eat, you know, what you watch, what you, all, all these different things. But it might be something inward, and we never know. But we all have this, I, this some type of self-control. And scientists have showed us, and it's proven, that as humans, you only have enough, it's called ego depletion, and there's only so much during the day that you have, if you, they did a study, 
I love the brain, by the way. If you, I, they did a study, and they took people who had to show no self-control throughout the morning, and then they made decisions in the afternoon. And then they took a group who had to constantly say no to something, exercise self-control. Maybe it was a cookie. Maybe it was something else. And it was difficult for them to exercise self-control later. It's almost like we have this little tank. Well, how do you end up getting past self-control? Because not having it is a problem. Here's Proverbs. Uh, I don't know where I put Oh, hey, they're in my pocket. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. And you've probably seen this. Maybe you know somebody who's struggling with something, not just Reese's peanut butter cups, but they're struggling with something that's just been devastating to the family. You've seen that. It's like a city whose walls are broken through. Like there's no defense. There's just no way to get control of this. That's a person uh, who lacks self-control. And so we think of self-control kind of like this. I don't know if you have a, a dog. Cats have no self-control, but uh, I don't know why you'd have a cat. But uh, the, the dogs, I don't know if you've ever taught your dog how to do this. I taught my dog how to do this, uh, well, what, like two dogs ago. I've given up for my current dog. But we think about this, right? There it is in front of me, whatever it is, the thing and it's like, oh, man, I just got to wait it out. I just got to, oh, man, how do I get, how do I get past this? You know, you, maybe you're someone who your problem with self-control is on the Internet. Maybe you said to yourself, I'm going to stay off Instagram, okay? And so you have, you've deleted off your phone. And then someone says, did you see what so-and-so posted? And you're like, and you reinstall it, and you're back, and you're like, oh, man. Or maybe it's some type of... TV, or maybe it's something you're eating, but you think of it like this, like, oh, it's such hard work. And you think of it as something like, all of it falls on me. That's where the self part comes from. Sometimes you think about something like, uh, like this, you know, just, I'm just going to tough it out, right? Success kid. But we found a picture of my son. He has this exact picture before Success Kid even showed up. So we were way ahead, okay? But maybe it's just, just say no. I'm just going to put my head down. I'm going to do whatever. How, how do you get self-control? How do you exercise it? Now, I kind of lied in my social media this week because I, I said we we're going to answer all those questions this week. We're actually going to answer them this week and next week. So you're going to have to come back next week. Sorry about that. Um, I didn't know I was lying at the time, but uh, as things go, I decided to lie because this is going to take a little while. Now watch what happens. So we're going to shift from here to a thing in Galatians that talks about self-control and talks about what happens when a follower of Jesus ends up face-to-face -face with their brokenness, their humanness. The, the part of them that lacks the self-control. Galatians 5, 16 is written by uh, the Apostle Paul. It's a very famous section of Scripture. Uh, the church in Galatia was really kind of struggling with this idea of controlling yourself. And so what they were doing was they were going back to the law, okay? Because I don't know if you've been around Christianity for a long time. A lot of times we like to measure stuff as Christians. We like to measure how many verses we memorize. We like to measure how many times we've gone to church. We like to measure how long our quiet times are, blah, 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 all this stuff. We like to, to measure stuff. Uh, 
And so what Paul was saying to this church in Galatia, he's talking about all this grace that you have, that it doesn't have to be about the law, about ticking things off. And so he's talking to the church in Galatia, and he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so all of a sudden, you begin to get this hint of maybe one of the secrets of self-control. That maybe it's not just about, oh boy, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't look at it, don't buy it, don't click it. That maybe there's something else underneath. Those are all the self part of self-control. Don't do this or do that. If you ever have gone to the gym for any length of time, um, you'll probably find that one of the things that gets you to the gym is that you're, you end up being part of some community that goes to the gym. That we, we end up as a group of people. We end up uh, doing whatever we can to try to get that self-control. But We begin to see with Paul that there's some other thing. I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, this is really cool because what Paul then does is he just starts giving another list, like, he, like Peter did in 1 Peter, of some of the things that you'll see in your own life if you see you're walking by the flesh. And here they are. He says, for the flesh is what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit, uh, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So you've got this idea that they're in conflict with each other, which Paul, what do you know, says they are in conflict with each other. So that you do not do whatever you want. So here we are. Paul's teed up this thing. Oh, man, that's self-control, not doing whatever I want. What's the key, Paul? Well, he goes on. He says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So we begin to see the beginning of this mystery of self-control, that there's something about being led by the Spirit. So maybe self-control isn't just sitting with a treat on your nose waiting for someone to say, okay. Maybe it's not about the actual temptation itself that we just say no to. Maybe there's some other fuel, some other type of support, some other type of strength that is there that makes self-control a little easier. He says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. And then he goes through this list. And to be quite honest, I was just going to say this list, but I thought I'd put it up just because it's like there's so many things. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. So you think, well, okay, you know, that's, that's just, you know, college or whatever. Okay idolatry and witchcraft, like, okay, cool, I'm probably not doing that, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, Twitter, uh, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you're just like, oh my goodness, that's like, a, that's a life run amok, right? But I have areas in my life where they've run amok. I've had areas in my life where there was something I just couldn't have enough self-control to just get over it. And so what do you do in those cases? What do you do when you have something? Now, just real quick uh, to be sure, if, you, if it's an addiction, like of a substance, 
that's a whole different thing than what I'm talking about. You want to make sure you get into a community of people that can lead you through those waters, okay? You're not, it, it, it's very difficult to pray your way out of a substance addiction, okay? And, and there's, there's plenty of resources, and if you need any help in any of that, let me know. We can get you help for that. So oftentimes when we talk about self-control, we're talking about like, oh man, well, I'm not X. Oh, I don't take Y. I don't drink Z, right? But that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about those things of the heart. He goes on and he says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, how do we know if we're walking in step with the Spirit? How do we know if we're walking uh, in the Spirit, is there's going to be this manifestation in our lives of becoming more like Jesus. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's interesting, the list in 1 Peter ends with love. This one starts with love. It doesn't matter. We, in our Western minds, we tend to think very linear. This wasn't written to a Western mind, and so they, they, there's no hierarchy, although 1 Peter does make a pretty good hierarchy. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, there's something about self-control that's more than just putting the treat on your nose and just waiting it out and sweating it out. There's some other part of it. We're going to be talking about the how-to next week because we're going to be talking about perseverance uh, next week. And so there'll be some really great things you can take into your week that, uh, for next week. But this, this is what it looks like to be in step with, with Jesus. This is a great litmus test to see, am I becoming more like Jesus or not? And so you would ask yourself, how's my love? Am I loving those who are other? Can I love a Republican? Can I love a Democrat? <laughs> I know, all, the, all the Republicans are like, what? You know, I know, I get it. Our church is half and half, so I, I, I like making fun of both. Uh, right? Can you love a Republican? Can you love a Democrat? Can you love, you know, other? Those who don't look like us. Those who don't sound like us. Can we love them? What about joy? How's joy been? As I go through COVID and we get done and I, I look back and I, I'm constantly giving myself grades for how I handled things, I would say I handled COVID like a deem plus. I passed, okay, I passed. But it wasn't so much joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, finally self-control. Bible says above those things, against those things, there is no law. In other words, as Paul begins to talk to this church in Galatia and talk to those who are either watching online or are, are here, there's this manifestation of the Holy Spirit that comes when we begin to follow him. And the outcome will be self-control. So if I don't have self-control in my life, it is an indication for me that I'm not walking in step with the Spirit of God. That I'm beginning to look for some type of fulfillment, some type of um, escape, maybe, 
some type of valuation for myself that's outside of what Christ died on the cross for. The fact is that our value comes from the fact that we are created in the image of God. And what's really cool about being created in the image of God is he uses all kinds of paint jobs. <laughs> right? We all have different paint jobs. We all have different uh, body types. We all have different gender. We just, we're kind of going through. And he says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self, uh, gentleness, self-control. Those things are all manifestations of what happens when we walk in the Spirit. So if I don't have self-control, it's an indication that there's some change I need to make, not to try harder, but to walk in step with the Spirit. Verse uh, 24 says this, because you'll see it, you'll begin to see it in your life. Now those who belong to Christ, which if you profess Christ, you have, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And he says this, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Now, I'm going to take a, I'm going to hold up for just one second because I want to talk about self-control a little bit more. Because when Jesus was here, the people who had the most self-control outwardly, like if you looked at their lives and you were like, oh, wow, that person is so holy, is so amazing. The person you'd say, I'm unworthy, are the, were the Pharisees. And the Pharisees would have laws for everything and self-control for everything. And so much so that, 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 that they'd, they'd formulate their lives in such a way that all these things were difficult to do. But for them, it was easier because they didn't have a real job. They, had, you know, they were able to just kind of be spiritual. You know, all these different things. They had community among themselves. All the things that we have within the church of Jesus Christ, they had. And so they'd add more and more rules on it. And so one day, they come up to Jesus and uh, they think they got him because Jesus, well, let's see, this is uh, chapter 15. Yeah, so they haven't learned yet. Don't mess with Jesus, okay? So they're still uh, thinking about that. And so they, they come to Jesus and they say, um, hey, I've noticed outward appearance that you guys lack self-control in a certain area. That before you eat, you don't wash your hands. Now, you might think to yourself, oh, well, that's good. I mean, we know that, especially during COVID times, uh, you know, that we, you need to wash your hands before you eat or you need to use uh, Purell. Um, you guys know me well enough. I was a germaphobe long before COVID, okay? So I'm like a pro when it comes to, right? So when you read this, you might go, well, everybody knows to wash your hands before you eat. That's not what they're talking about. They're not talking about washing your hands to, so that your, your hands are clean. This was a ceremonial washing. Because the idea, what God had set up in the Old Testament was, hey, priest, if you're a priest, you better be ready to do your job at any time. And so that's why they'd have, you'd always be ready. You never wanted to be unclean. So like, for example, if I'm a pastor or whatever, and there's some thing I have to do as a shepherd, they won't, the, in the Old Testament, all these laws were set up so that they were always ready to do their job. That was the idea. God wanted them to be serving the people of God anytime they needed to. So to be clean, not to be unclean. That was the whole idea. But they had added on these ceremonial washings that had to happen. And so 
uh, when Jesus, when they see Jesus, he, they say, even in there when you look at it in uh, Matthew chapter 15, why do you ignore the tradition of the elders? The tradition of the elders. In other words, it's not even scriptural. It's just this thing they've added. And so as we walk in the Spirit, what we're going to find with each other is that the Holy Spirit may be talking to you in an area of self-control that he's not talking to me about. You can imagine if I had a struggle or something like, um, like we'll, we'll use the Reese's peanut butter cups, which are on my desk. Um, and and if, I, if, if it's like, man, Bro, you can't have even one of those things or you're going to eat like 15 and you're going to get sick and it's going to mess you up. And so all of a sudden I declare Reese's <laughs> peanut butter cups are evil and we are not going to eat them. What am I doing? I'm projecting what the Holy Spirit is talking to me about onto you. And this is exactly what the Pharisees were going. So Jesus says this. He says, why do you... Take what God really wants, what the Holy Spirit is really telling you to do, and you don't do that. In other words, they were hiding behind these little self-control things and missing the actual heart of the matter. So when we think to ourselves about what's an area of my life that needs self-control, the second question we have to ask ourselves is how can I invite the Holy Spirit into this situation? How do I relook, recast this situation into something where I can invite the Holy Spirit into it? That it's not just willpower, that it's not just my thing, but I invite the Holy Spirit each morning. Okay, Lord, I have got one day that I'm responsible for today. How do I move through that? And so he says to them, and why do you avoid what God would really have you do for the sake of your tradition. And so what they would do is this. It's really brilliant, actually. Uh, if you want to get out of stuff, the Pharisees are a good uh, case study. You were supposed to take care of your folks as they aged. Back then, there wasn't no, uh, you know, Medicare and Medi-Cal and all that kind of stuff. You're, the family would take care of the family, go figure. And uh, that's how it was taken care of. And so what the Pharisees would do is they'd take all their assets and they'd say, we're giving it to the temple. All of our assets are going to the temple. Um, but they made a little loophole that while, it was, while you were alive, you got to use it however you wanted. So you could just say, like I could say, uh, I'm giving all my assets to Living Spring, um, but I get to use them until I die, and then they're yours. But if my parents need anything, I just say, no, 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 I'd love to help you out, but that's already been given to God. I already gave that to God, so I can't really give it to you. We can use it to go to Disneyland. <laughs> we can use it, I can use it for my family, but it's God's and you can't have it. And so Jesus says, why do you do that? You're not walking in step with the Spirit. You have this outward appearance of self-control, but in fact, your heart is far from where Jesus would have. What we're going to be talking about next week is how do we tap into this idea that we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to move, to begin to speak to us, that maybe the release of addiction, the release of 
chains, all those things don't happen in a typical way that we were thinking. It doesn't happen with just, I'm going to not do it this time. You ever done that? You wake up in the morning and you say, today, I'm not going to do it. And in the evening, you say, Lord, forgive me for doing that. Well, we're going to talk about some really solid keys to how we move forward that as we talk about perseverance. But here's what Jesus says to him. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And then he calls everyone together to kind of give it, give it some weight. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone, someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles them. That's where we need self-control. See, self-control really becomes heart control. It becomes walking in step with the Spirit as we go uh, back a few uh, slides. If we live by the Spirit, um, we will also walk by the Spirit. Uh, it doesn't do that anyway. Does it come back? Sorry about that. Ah. For some reason, there we go, cool. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Next week, as the worship band comes up, we're going to be talking about what does it look like to walk by the Spirit? In the list, it's called perseverance. And perseverance might for you feel like something um, difficult and like, oh man, perseverance. Perseverance equals something bad I have to get through. But we're going to see next week that that's not exactly what it's talking about. We're going to talk about what does it mean to walk through the Spirit. So here's my kind of, I guess, uh, homework for this week is... Um, Begin to talk to the Lord about what, what would you have me do? Because I, I can almost guarantee in a group like this that you know your area. <laughs> maybe you've been dealing with it for the rest of your life. For, for the, for, maybe you think you have to deal with it for the rest of your life, that you've been dealing with it your whole life. Whatever that is, maybe it's gossip, maybe it's a food thing, maybe it's just, you know, kind of anxiety or where your brain comes. And so, as we kind of wrap up with this last song, I'd like you to go before God and say, Lord, where in my life have I been walking, maybe striving and trying and going again and again and again? And that's out of the step of where the Spirit would have us go. And maybe the Spirit of God wants to uncover something that maybe there's something, the action that you're trying to fix really is just the result of what's happening inside the heart. That what's going into you, how, kind of how that's showing up, you know, the actual, oh, I'm going to, I've done this thing. That's not the problem. That's just an outward extension of how the Spirit of God would transform your heart. So we're going to take some time to just do one last song and... Uh, um, I'll, I'll pray for us. I'll, I'll come back up and share the blessing. But ask the Lord. Not necessarily, Lord, how do I get over this one thing? or how, But just, God, where, 
do you need access in my life? That's all for this week. Where do you need access for my life? Because in the places where I've actually had victory, I've had to surrender. I've had to submit. I've had to make radical changes, but not on my own. All those have been with the support, with the strength, and with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful that you love us, that when you called us to to be a disciple, when you called us to follow after you, to become like you, you've granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And so now, God, between giving us everything between life, for God, life and godliness and participating in the divine nature, Lord. That's where we find the movement of your Holy Spirit. So I pray that we would hear your voice, even now, to pick this thing that we're going to be moving forward with. Not to try harder, not to really commit this time, but to allow and invite your Holy Spirit to come so that we can walk in step to not be ineffective or unproductive. In Jesus' name, amen. So next week we'll be talking about what are some of these tools, what are these, some of these things that the Holy Spirit can empower us to do in order to exercise self-control and to uh, persevere. Because self-control isn't a talent, it's an outcome of being led by the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that next week. So now, in the name of the Father, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I pray you would go in his strength, that you would go in his peace, and that you would go in his presence, and that you would be led by him. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next week.